in the trenches. You brought me only, in early. By only like two dudes. Two seconds. Yeah. Uh, Tug's not here for reasons, and we are. So good enough. <laughs> it, it's convenient because we were the two that went to the XFL game this week, and we're talking about the XFL. This is factual. Um, what also happened is I heard there was someone who died in the Atlantic Ocean this weekend. Um, unfortunately, so did, so did everyone else who was on the submarine when he opened the window. Um, <laughs> really brutal stuff. That's that's awful. What a what a great way to open a podcast, huh? That's so, awful. <laughs> Open it up with death and destruction, huh? Is that how Hell we're rolling? Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, no other way to go about it, honestly, because there was a lot of death and destruction in the XFL this weekend. There was. We did. perfect record. Yeah, we did see we did see an undefeated fall, and uh, no time like the present. Let's just start off right there. This was the first game of the weekend. This was on Thursday. <coughs> Which, why? Why do they have a game on Thursday? I don't know. And and next week, they're going to have a game on Monday. So, I mean, like, right. that would that's what would make more sense is just having Monday night games. Everybody loves Monday night football. So, it, that would make more sense to me. But, hey, I'm not the guy in charge. You know, I'm just, I'm just a guy talking about it on the internet. I wish you were in charge so we wouldn't have these fucking Thursday games. <laughs> I am... I am with you on being an opponent of Thursday Night Football 100%. But you're not with me on wanting Bug to run the XFL? That's weird. I will I will also run the XFL for you. That's that's fine with Thank me. Thank you. Thank you. Uh I got to say though, I mean <laughs> Seattle came into this 5-point underdogs and I don't I don't get that at all. You know, we we've said for a minute that we thought Seattle was the best or one of the three best teams in the league. And they yeah. came in as a five-point underdog. And I'm going to be honest with you, they looked like the better team from start to finish in this one. Yeah, I wouldn't say start to finish. The fourth quarter, Houston looked pretty damn good. And honestly, the only reason that Seattle ended up getting away with this one is because of an interception in the final minute of the game. We saw three of those this weekend. It's a theme. <laughs> it's a theme. This was the first one. Uh, Ben Danucci threw three interceptions this game. Like Seattle did not actually play that well. It See, was, and what's it was a combination of multiple things, and one of the biggest things I believe Houston did not run the ball enough. They got yeah. a little bit away from what they normally do, and it hurt them badly here. Well, and that was that was one thing I noticed too was they they had to rely on Brandon Silvers to be the guy. And he's just not that guy. I mean, he is he's a great quarterback for these leagues, but you need you're to run the guy, ball. Pal. You're not that guy, yeah. pal. You're you're, that guy. <laughs> who do you think you are? Not the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it was it was a fine game. It, it's unfortunate. Like the whole first half of the game, like Houston just could not get right out of their own way, and a lot of it, unfortunately, fell on Brandon Silvers. Yeah, it did, but I still go back to why were they not running the ball more? Seems to be what they've been best at. And this was a great time to do that, too, because what we've seen from Seattle, at least the first four weeks, they are best when they are throwing the ball all over the field. Well, run the ball on your side. Take the ball out of their hands as much as possible. That's probably your best strategy for success. Houston just tried to not do that for some reason. They they tried to match him, and that's what didn't make sense right. to me. Right, and they don't have they don't have the quarterback for it, and they don't have the receivers for it either. I don't believe. I think Seattle is better in both those areas by a wide margin. I would agree, but. For everything this game was, I mean, this was this was I this was the second lowest scoring game of the week. Uh, they mm-hmm. they missed the over under at forty three. Line was set at forty three. Of course, they only scored thirty four or thirty five points. So it was 
quite a bit under it, it did it wasn't the offensive explosion i think everybody was expecting and hoping for uh so that, that is a little disappointing that this game was relatively ro- low scoring right we'll get to the xfl pick them later but i'll just say now i actually took the over on yards for this game that was a mistake <laughs> uh yeah i remember looking at that i was like ooh but we have some uh, players of the game to talk about, and nobody yeah. is wearing. We got Tim Ward, the only one wearing an XFL uniform here. So as I just said, that Houston doesn't have the receivers to stack up to Seattle. I actually picked a Houston receiver as player of the game. Uh, the best on the field that particular day, but really a bad offensive showing by almost everyone so that's not saying too much uh wins offensive player of the game for us with 63 yards and one touchdown uh he didn't have a drop the one that was credited as a target and incompletion it didn't seem like it was catchable to me so good job justin smith you did everything you could have done for your team i guess that's that's all you can ask for. Uh, but I would wanted to go with co-defensive players of this game because, first of all, getting a non-linebacker in double-digit tackles is still pretty rare for this league. Uh, only happened a few times. Twice this week, both of them got defensive player of the game honors as well for us. Uh, but Quintario Cole, pictured here in his Alcorn State jersey, uh, transferred to Louisville for a season, maybe two, but with Alcorn State, that's the number he wears in the XFL as well. Uh, Ten tackles, five of them solo, all over the place. It is a bad sign when one of your defensive backs, especially a safety, is leading your team in tackles. Right. But he he did everything he could, and his team got the win, so I guess it was enough. But also, Tim Ward is just a beast. We've been calling him out a couple weeks in a row now. But he is awesome. So I actually just found out. I didn't know this. He is a Super Bowl champion with the Kansas City Chiefs in 2020. And now nice. in the XFL, uh, beasting and feasting out here. Had two TFLs and a sack. Tim Ward is an incredible defensive lineman. I really do think more than anyone else in this league, Tim Ward deserves a shot in the NFL. Maybe, you know, maybe he'll make his way back to the NFL here soon. We'll have to wait and see. I'm rooting for Yeah, absolutely. I'm rooting for all these guys, honestly. I mean, how can you not? It's right. If you're sitting here and you want to have criticism of the league, fine. But don't sit here and act like they're not putting on a good show when this isn't fun to watch. Like, this is, this is the most fun I've had watching football in a minute. Since college football season. <laughs> I know. Move right along here to the game that we were actually at. Yes, sir. And the score, uh, you know, if you see the full box score, it's not it's not too misleading. Uh, what this really came down to, D.C. winning 28-20 to 20 over St. Louis in the Dome, what this really came down to was missed opportunities for – the Battle Hawks. I mean, that's that's kind of the story of the game. And we'll, missed we'll calls by the referees. <laughs> oh, my God. There was one point where St. Louis called a timeout, and he said, timeout Seattle. And I, I didn't think that ref was going to make it out of the stadium. <clears throat> but D.C. did cover the two-point spread and the over of 42 hit uh, by six points. So, uh, decent. And it felt like there. it could have been more, man. Another last-minute interception to seal this one. Really, A.J. McCarron's probably second bad throw of the entire game. Uh, honestly, incredible showing by both these teams. Like, truly lived up to the hype. I know last week we called this the game of the week for sure. 1,000% the game of the week. Both these teams look phenomenal. And just a, I mean, just a competitive game all the way through, which is something that honestly... I wasn't sure that I expected <clears throat> as crazy as that sounds. I know we called it the game of the week and I, I just said it lived up to that hype, but even still it's like to some extent, 
I thought somebody would fall on their face. And that just never happened. Both these teams came out swinging. They kept swinging the entire time. I mean, we didn't even, you know, this game, we talk about missed opportunities for St. Louis. DC had the ball on the one-yard line and couldn't get it in. Right. I mean, there it was, it was a massive stop by St. Louis, and the crowd definitely was playing a factor at various points throughout the game, that defensive stop, goal line stand being one of them. But what I think really threw St. Louis off was D.C. came out and did not commit to the ground game immediately, had a lot of swing passes, a lot of short passes, right. and it looked like St. Louis's defensive plan was just off kilter the entire time. Whenever things got down close to the goal line, they were able to figure it out and everything was good. But we'll talk about our player of the game here a little bit later. Uh, there were two massive touchdown runs for D.C., and it looked like St. Louis didn't know how to stop the run at all. I mean, just go ahead and jump to it then. Because uh, we're talking about Abram Smith, obviously going to be our offensive player of the game. The first player in this version of the XFL over 200 yards in a single game. Uh, anytime you can get 200 plus rushing yards and three touchdowns. I'd say you're a pretty good contender for player of the game. <laughs> and these these rushes, man. His two touchdown runs, it, literally he hit the hole and made one cut. Yeah. And there right. was – and I think the most impressive thing to me was just the breakaway speed. There was no shot of anybody catching him either. It wasn't These, like he was – it was a foot race to the end. Right, right. Nothing, it was no – it wasn't even outside runs at all. It was runs up the gut basically inside the tackles that broke for huge gains. And those two big touchdown runs, there were a couple other pretty big runs in there too that just – he was running in between the tackles explosively and incredibly fast. Yeah, I mean, it's – it was insane. And then, of course, we have Michael Joseph as our defensive player of the game who got that interception to end it where – what, what was crazy to me was A.J. McCarron had just thrown a touchdown pass that needed that little extra touch to get over the defender right. and hit his receiver in stride, and then similar play just underthrows it. And, and, you know, he really made about two mistakes. Unfortunately, this was the second one. There was another pass where he just threw it a step behind his receiver. Other right, it wasn't that, even that bad of a throw. Yeah. It was, it was behind the guy. But this yeah. one was like a foot short probably. Yeah. Just enough to be caught by the defensive back instead and just sealed it. And Brutal. we talked about we talked about mistakes that the Battle Hawks made. Well here's one. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself for getting this whole thing. Uh and you but, can see by the way, we had incredible seats. Yes. Beautiful. Wow. Makes a cut. Things get a little weird here and just the mass of people. Uh, 29 there having to kind of jump out of the way is probably what prevented this from being a touchdown. St. Right. Louis would come away from that with a with a field goal. This was the right. this was how the second half opened. You have all this and momentum and this, go three and out. And that was the second big kickoff return of the game for them. They had done this once already. Again, a little bit short of a touchdown. And again, only came away with a field goal. Like, this is – there were several missed opportunities for St. Louis, and D.C. had fewer missed opportunities. What this really and fewer penalties. To. Well, by far. But this is uh, – for everybody that thinks St. Louis isn't a football city, now, whatever the motivation for all the fans is, is kind of irrelevant. They're packing this place, right? And they are decked out in St. Louis Battlehawks gear. The whole dang thing was blue. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of St. Louis Cardinals hats, and there was me in the D.C. hat, so I didn't <laughs> look too conspicuous with a red hat because people just assumed it was a Cardinals hat. <laughs> but, no, it was a great time and a fantastic venue. Oh, my gosh. I don't yeah, know I you, you beat that environment in the XFL. That is something special. I don't. I don't want to steal the photo from XFL Outsider, 
but he was walking around the stadium. We didn't actually find the exact team store. I did buy this hoodie there. Uh, they have like kind of the, if you've ever been to like a concert, kind of just the side vendors that are just in a little yeah. nook. They had about two or three of those, and we passed one. I was like, oh, I'm going to get that. Uh, but apparently the team store, there was a line coming out the door, and most people in line already had Battlehawks right. gear. So it's right. just it's not like they're buying something to wear that day. They're buying something to add to their collection. So uh, you love to see it. And again, whatever the motivation is for wanting to support this team more, whether it's to stick it to uh, Stan Kroenke, whether it's because you're an XFL fanatic, whatever it is, it's working for St. Louis. And we saw a couple of original XFL logos out there too. Pretty awesome. I think another thing to really call out for St. Louis, this is what the second highest attendance for a spring football game. And yes. first highest was last week in St. Louis. So <laughs> it's really phenomenal. This the only thing that wasn't open was that very top of the dome. Everything else was available and pretty well sold the out. four the 400 level was open. Now we were on the camera side. So if they ever showed the sidelines, we were behind the Battlehawk sideline. And yeah. it looked to me like the 400 level on our side was open, but the rest of the stadium wasn't. However, mm. that didn't mean they didn't have security around the rest of the 400 level. I mean, that's true. I, I'm surprised <laughs> that last week had such great attendance and this week didn't. Uh, they're on the road for the next two games and then home for the rest of the season. So I'm curious to see how those last three weeks go. I really wouldn't call it bad attendance, though. They only dropped like 1,500, 2,000 people. Right. And it's still over 30,000 in attendance. Yeah. So they did pretty great. It was better attendance than the Rams were getting there last year there. That's for sure. Better attendance than the Rams ever deserved in St. Louis. Calm the fuck down. All right. The, they they had like the three greatest. good seasons. It's called the greatest grill on turf after the greatest show on turf. All right. You had like three to five good seasons and everything else was dark. Call it, call it six to nine. That's fine. I can go for that. <laughs> Our next game. Nice. Uh, <laughs> this uh, next this game was... you fell asleep to. <laughs> <laughs> this game was so bad. These teams suck, man. <laughs> It was really who wanted to lose this game more is what it really came down to. And it, it turned out like to it. be the Guardians. It felt like it. Just because the scoring plays, especially in the second half, were all big blown coverages. It mm. was obvious the defenses were messing up, not really the offenses succeeding that much. Which has been the, the story time, for both of these teams too. I do want to give some credit. I actually, I do think both quarterbacks played definitely their best games of the season so far. And I don't think that's purely because of the defenses being worse. I think it is a little bit of the timing with the receivers looked better. They were hitting guys in stride. There looked to be like there were some actually legitimately good throws what's, this week. What's amazing Perez, about that? When he's on, he is the best quarterback in the league. What's it's amazing about that, though? Once or twice a year. Yeah. <laughs> What's amazing about that, though, is Quentin Dormandy. Like, first of all, Paxton Lynch is probably done. It's probably time to just close this yeah. chapter of his life and move on. And that does hurt to say uh, as a fan of his. But Quentin Dormandy absolutely outplayed him this time. And you mentioned the timing and everything kind of lining up. Quentin Dormandy just rejoined the team. After being excused, I have no idea what happened to DeAndre Francois. And again, we saw Orlando kind of go to a second quarterback uh, for point after attempts. And this time it was Quentin Flowers. However, the only time they used Quentin Flowers was to run the ball. Friend of the show, Quentin Flowers. Friend of the show, Quentin Flowers. (laughs) (laughs) No, Quentin Normandy was accused of sharing the offensive playbook with some other teams. Correct. And he was cut immediately after the accusation came out. There was an external review that said there is absolutely no evidence for that. And he was re-signed the very next day. So it's not like he was gone for long and not entirely sure what happened there. I think the league as a whole was being a little bit cautious and a little bit 
conservative with their image, which I, to, to an extent I really do appreciate. At the same time, yeah, he's the Guardians' best quarterback, and they, so, they needed him. <laughs> at least, at least, I mean, we haven't gotten to see Flowers throw the ball right. yet. So I, I do think too that if for whatever reason you know Dormady has to come out, it will be Quentin Flowers as the next man up. Paxton Lynch is kind of showing everything he can do, and just it's when it works, it works, and when it doesn't, don't don't bother. So, uh, I got to talk about the end of this game, though. I went back and watched the part that okay. I missed. Yeah, this is how bad these teams are. Okay, so Orlando is notoriously bad at point after con- attempts. I think they've only converted yes. two, three all season. I think. Two of their three have been one point conversions as well. Correct. Which yep. <laughs> nobody else in the league even goes for one. Which I, I'll give them credit here. When DeAndre Francois was in for the one point conversions, they were basically running the quick, you know, quick one move routes that you saw Francois do so well with in the FCF. Right. They played to his strength. So I, I'll give them credit for that. That was fantastic. Uh, but here's how the game ended. Dormady finds Latimer deep with 111 left in the game. Mm-hmm. They go for three, don't get it, as you can see. And then on the fourth and 15, Quentin Dormady drops back, gets stripped, recovers the ball, and then gets sacked anyway at the 20 yard line. <laughs> yeah. There's about a minute five left at this point when the Vipers take over. Orlando has two timeouts, Vegas runs the ball. Makes sense. Doesn't really get them much, but they run the ball. Timeout, Orlando. Then they pass the ball for some unknown to God reason. It's incomplete. The clock stops. They're like, okay, we'll get our heads out of our asses. They run again, Orlando timeout. Then they kick a field goal, and it's good. But wait, there's a flag on the field because, of course, there is because Orlando's playing. Illegal formation, they take the yards, it's fourth and one. Instead of re-kicking, they decide to throw the ball again, and it's incomplete. Orlando has a chance to win the game with about 44 seconds left. But Orlando is so undisciplined, they end the game on two. They run the ball, or the clock was running, and then two consecutive false starts that incurred 10-second runoffs, we end the game on a false start. They didn't even they snapped the ball once in that possession. I mean, it was just – this is why this team's 0-5. This is why they're 0-5. The fact that Vegas almost lost to them. Whew. Dude, we got some soul searching to do on both sides here. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is uh, – for the most part, the league looks pretty dang good. Uh, there are two teams that don't, and these are those two teams. <laughs> Thank God they don't play each other again. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to the players of the game so we can leave this <laughs> quickly. Uh, honestly, Lewis Perez and Quentin Dormady had very similar stat lines that bullshit botched job at the end kind of loses it for me for Dormady. And also Perez did win, so I'll give it to him, I guess. Offensive player of the game there. Only 214 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Not the craziest stat line we've seen so far. But as far as the Vipers go, could have been a lot worse. Uh, Co-defensive players of the game here. I know we said the defenses in general look pretty bad. I would say that's more the case in the secondaries than either of these fronts. And as such, I have two defensive linemen as defensive players of the game. Kavion Patton, defensive tackle, had 11 tackles. Uh, that's abnormal. Since when do you have a guy who lines up in the middle getting double-digit tackles in a the game? Uh, then we have... The Samoan P to T, as everyone calls him, uh, with 
four tackles for loss, including three sacks, five total tackles, and which a is impressive fumble on the game. Because I only have one sack. Yes, and he has two more than you do, which is impressive. Wow. That is a mutation. This man's needs a doctor. <laughs> I'm also very glad that everyone calls him Peter T because his last name, I only found one guy who ever pronounced it, and it sounds difficult to pronounce, and I don't want to try it again. So, Peter T it is. Where's Where's Tug? <laughs> Call him in. Just just celebrity shot like and also i could not find either of these guys in xfl uniform uh Patton went to texas state and peter t went to utah and with sometimes the screen grabs we can get from espn plus are great and sometimes they're booty trash so sometimes they're grainy as shit so i just took their college picture <laughs> that's whatever <laughs> next up we had another battle of extreme mediocrity in Texas, in San Antonio, and we get to see it again next week. So aren't you so excited for this? I watched the first quarter of this game and had to turn it off. Not because it was going poorly. I thought after the first quarter, this was going to be the best game the Brahmas had ever played in their lives. And then they shat the bed the remaining three quarters. What the hell happened? <laughs> Just a little bit. So here's here's the biggest issue is that neither of these teams are very good. Like that's that's really what it is. Nobody was able to really pull away. Like if these were two good teams, this would have been a fantastic game. But at one point, uh, you know, <laughs> ice cream got set. Yeah, Reed Sinet came in. Reed Sinet looked fantastic. The problem was, I, I don't know how many reps he's taken with the ones or what the deal is. I wouldn't say but, he looked fantastic. He looked better than ice cream. He looked but better than not, cone. It's not hard to do. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Except for that one one-off game where we had to give him offensive player of the game because he just lit it up for no reason. The final <laughs> like play so the final play that Reed Sinet is in, he gets picked off at the two-yard line. And Joe Powell, the only man to return a touchdown in the XFL, and that was back in 2020, or return a kick for a touchdown, I should say. And that's kind of like an asterisk there. He didn't return it. Anyway, <laughs> it was a reverse. He returned it. He got the, the points, whatever. They talked to him on the sideline. He's like, they're running the same place. We knew what they were going to do as soon as I saw him leave the line. And sure as shit, he jumped a flag route, and that's all there was to it. His momentum, unfortunately, took him out of bounds at the two. But that doesn't matter because, yet again, the officials made sure that this drive continued on. Now, Dallas, Arlington, God, why is it a D? Arlington did get a few first downs on their own, and even the first first down of this drive, you know, they're backed up on their two. Two run plays don't really get them anything. They get a 17-yard pass off on third down. I mean, they this was not all due to some bad officiating. Uh, but on a third and four, there's a legal contact, which I didn't see it. I didn't, you know, I didn't see the full play. I could see how that would be important to call because the play resulted in a sack. It would have been about fourth and seven, fourth and uh, between fourth and seven and fourth and ten. I can see how that one's a big deal. But then on the next play, the very next play, the defensive pass interference, very similar to the one we saw in the Super Bowl that cost the Eagles the game. And next thing you know, Arlington's are in field goal range off of that. They're able to take it the rest of the way down the field. And it's just, give them credit, they finished off the drive, but it was absolutely a penalty-aided drive on this one. Yeah, we've seen it a few times now. A crucial situations. Some of these XFL defensive backs just aren't fast enough to get away with playing coverage instead of holding or committing a penalty. Right. And it's there's a reason you have to be a certain speed to play corner in the NFL. It is really fucking difficult. And uh yeah, there's there is a drop off here. 
We've seen it a few different weeks now with a few different teams. Crucial situations, huge defensive pass interference calls. Some of them are sketchy. You know, this one could be argued potentially. Uh, uh, it's. I'm going to talk more about this in a little bit too because this was a okay. problem all weekend. But I also want to say, you know, Reed Senate was looking like he was getting something going. He had the Brahma's offense looking good. Unfortunately, that interception was his last play of the game because I they showed the replay and they focused in on just him. It was like a, a, a field camera angle. And I don't know if his foot rolled up somehow or what, but he ended up in a walking boot with shoulder pads off uh, and on crutches to boot. Uh, so I don't know what San Antonio is going to do for next week, but there's no way they can keep going with Jack Cohn. If that's the only guy they got, it is what it is. I, I guess. I guess. Ice cream. So that, takes us, that takes <laughs> us to the players of the game. And, yeah, I 100% agree, Davion Smith. I know you don't. You didn't want to give it to him. Well, uh, but we talked two reasons. <laughs> Where he played in college, and then second, yeah. this, there were the no fantastic. Yeah, yeah, there just, were no real fantastic offensive performances. Just like with Houston, Seattle, right? It's like we're kind of picking from the best of the mediocre, which feels hard to. That's tough, you know. Forty-four yards and a touchdown. I wouldn't be able to do that in the XFL. He's better than. Better than almost every other running back in the league this week. And actually. I, I would give it to him for the. I would give it to him anyway too. That drive that I mentioned, their their lone touchdown drive, he yeah. came up in a big way multiple times during that drive too. I mean, obviously right. finishing off with the touchdown, uh, but there were there were a couple first downs that he got on that drive as well. I mean, it's tough, and it's not you know it's not two hundred yards, two hundred plus yards, uh, but it's. I mean, that sole drive, that's what won it for him, honestly. with that, Even without yeah. the touchdown, if they would have had to do a quarterback sneak to get it in, I still would give it to Devion Smith. Yeah, and there was nobody on San Antonio that came close to that level of production even, so Devion Smith had to be the guy. <laughs> on defense, however, we did have another double-digit tackler. Uh, it was a linebacker this time, though, so I – didn't give it to him because that's basically the job of a linebacker. So you don't get extra points for doing your job. But <laughs> Matthew Gotell, as a defensive tackle for San Antonio, had seven tackles, two of them for loss, getting into the backfield, making some disruption. That's that's pretty awesome. And he did it more than once. Uh which is hard to do. It's it's tough, especially from a defensive tackle spot, to get around potentially three different offensive linemen and actually actually create multiple pressures. And Gotell was able to do that for the Brahmas. Uh, really, the first time this season, I've thought their defensive line looked pretty good. So, huge huge props to him. Absolutely, and I just. I got to say, before we get into the pick and everything else that we got this week, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in the games this week. And that's the first time I've really said that. Um, we were at the best game of the week mm-hmm. by far. And, it, I mean, it's – yeah, we I'm didn't, really it's, only it's disappointed in Dallas, San Antonio, to be honest with you. Houston Seattle was surprising to me, but it wasn't disappointing. Like I am more interested in Seattle going forward after this one than I was before this game. Also, I think Orlando Vegas, we expected it to be a little bit rough around the edges. And at least it was exciting in doing that. Like, Oh, the end of the the highest scoring game of this season, I believe. Which, by the way, you know, Vegas covered at seven and a half, and the over was 42. I mean, Vegas almost got that on their own. Right. Right. I mean, 
if you're going to be mid at football, at least score a bunch of points. And <laughs> they kept it interesting, kept me awake watching them. So it's <laughs> all I can answer. And uh, Orlando Vegas game. And Dallas also, they were plus two and a half. So they took the, the point spread there. And then the over under was 35 and a half. They didn't even touch that. Under went yeah. big there. And this game was pegged to be the lowest scoring game of the week already. You know, as you can see with the 35 and a half, everybody else was in the 40s. So I think we kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into. But the issue is, it wasn't necessarily. I, I don't know that it's necessarily because. Vegas thinks these defenses are that great. You know, I think they just know the struggles these offenses have. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't really believe in either of these defenses either for Arlington or San Antonio. It's more a matter of the team overall. There are really four teams in this league who have the talent to compete for the title. Mm -hmm. And there's two mid levels and two bottom feeders. Oh, yeah. Arlington and San Antonio are the mid levels. You know, at least, at least they can keep it competitive, and sometimes look better than this. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Oh, this is gross. Let's get back to it. I'm very sad about this slide. Yeah, yeah. You had a rough week. Yeah, I did. Uh, none of us hit the parlay this week. That. Made a big difference in our point totals. Also, we didn't have a show last week, so I didn't get to address this. I forgot about the Bickham last week. I just didn't do it. So I've only had two weeks of this. Y'all have had three weeks of this. and I'm I've been doing it since the start of the long. year. This is bullshit. You should be counting my points from that, too. Uh, I'm counting the points from the BDT Pick'em League, which I don't know if you can join at this point. You probably still can figure out a way to get people in there. But man, this well, is uh, out. This was a tough week for me. I think that the the real obvious ones I should have picked that I didn't. Uh really I can only think of one there is I picked the over on yards for Houston, Seattle. What a fool. I I knew better. I knew better. Everything else I was pretty comfortable with, though. Even though I missed uh, three. I'm okay with it. I'm trying to log (laughs) in so I can see what I did. I see what you're doing. That's why I'm still talking, even though I got nothing to say. (laughs) I forget, like... I forgot how much stuff I have to log into. I I got a new phone over the weekend. Nice. And uh, I've been going through and having to log into everything. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. you have to log into literally every app that you have, or else it will oh, not it's, work. It's been an absolute di- like Twitter was an absolute disaster. <laughs> wow, defender score and over under. Of 25, 2.5 touchdowns, one player did that for him. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. Right. Right. Jeff Bidette uh, receiving I, yards and then Renegades over under points. Yeah, you had always have to take the under on Arlington scoring any points. And <laughs> I took the under on San Antonio yards. But I thought Houston-Seattle... I actually somewhat expected Seattle to throw the ball well and Ben DiNucci threw three picks. So, it, yeah. <laughs> also, I saw both of you guys took the over on Orlando Vegas winning head coach jersey number. I think that question was confusing. Yeah. Because there's no way both of y'all picked Orlando to actually win this game. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that they were putting the over-under at 26, and I was like, well, duh. Right. It's going to be, you know. Right. No, that was uh, was a poorly worded question, so I was the only one who got that one. 
but no shade there. That was 110 of my points, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was very confident in Orlando losing to Vegas this weekend. <laughs> Just absolutely. That's not fair. That's not fair. That's what it is. Sure. <clears throat> but we we're here at the uh, Bad Ugly Good, the bug for this week. Yeah. And uh, I got to say, this is this is kind of a mix of last week and this week, but it's a good thing because we're at the midway point of the season. So a lot of stuff mm-hmm. is really starting to come together, starting to really kind of see all the positive and negative of this league so far, right? And uh, starting off with the bad, I mean, it's it's Orlando. I mean, it's unfortunately, there's no other real way to say it. You can't expect to win a game with as many penalties as they take. Now, they did better at the beginning of the game. And throughout the game, I thought generally they did better avoiding penalties. But then, I mean, just look at how they ended the game, right? Three penalties in the last minute, like under a minute, that cost the – I mean, one, they bailed themselves out of, and the next two cost them the game. So it's just like, what what are you going to do? And how do you fix this? I noticed that – uh, their head coach seems to have taken over offensive play calling, which I don't yeah. blame him for at all. And I also right. think that's why he was so aggressive with going to Quentin Dormandy, uh, which I think is proving to be a good move. Um, I just hope he doesn't have a quick leash with him when he starts playing poorly, because it will happen. That seems to just be a, like he's going to have a bad game. But if he's the guy you want to go with, you got to be patient with him, right? Uh, and then second up, the officiating. I mean, we saw it firsthand. There were so many calls that the refs made that were flags completely away from the play. Like, keep that in your pocket. That's not involved in the play. But I think part of the issue is that they let a game get out of control the last time these two teams met, and they didn't want to have another fight on their hands. And very closely had one here. Almost had right. one in the Orlando-Vegas game. Almost had one in the Arlington san antonio game and guess what arlington san antonio play again next week in arlington so i it's this kind of goes into the ugly right i mean we need to just have bare knuckle fights right 15 yard penalty whoever loses i mean that's that's what i want if we're gonna go if the x has to mean something it doesn't mean anything anymore it works fine in hockey put it in Uh, no we can't be doing that (laughs) i know (laughs) <laughs> uh, but second week in a row that multiple games have been chippy, let them go. Let them go. I'll also say this one falls in somewhere in between bad and ugly. And I think it's a change. It's a change been talked about on television. It's a change I think they need to make. I'm fine with there only being one challenge allowed. But if mm-hmm. you get the challenge correct, you shouldn't lose it. Right. Or there should I be agree. a way to gain more challenges. And that's something that's missing from this league. That pass interference specifically on San Antonio that helped extend the drive uh, that would end up being the game-winning drive for Arlington. Uh, they kept going back to Heinz Ward, who was two for two on challenging pass interference and getting it overturned. I kept going back to him, going back to him, and I, I get why he didn't challenge this one. But then also later in the game, Bob Stoops challenges a play and he's like, yeah, that was illegal contact, defensive holding, pass interference. Like, it's clear he doesn't really know exactly what the rules are, so I'll give props to Dean Blandino for saying, hey, I know what he wants. I'm going to look at specifically this. Uh, but again, when they didn't rule DPI or illegal contact, defensive holding, whatever would have been the call, he said, yeah, there just wasn't enough there. I'm like, how much – more do you need to see like just a very political answer and so it's been one of the strengths of this league since 2020 Mm -hmm. and now i'm sitting here like okay you're not really fully explaining to us why this isn't like what more did you would you have needed to see to make this pi because to everybody that's watching this they're all just saying you're an idiot and you don't know what you're talking about now i get that to an extent at the same time, I think a little bit of that should be on the coach and understand your own league's rules and understand uh, well, what I, you're actually challenging and what you should be looking for. <laughs> and, and Dean Landino was 
forgiving. He's like, I know what he's looking for. I'll, yeah. I'll take a look at it, see if I see a penalty here. And that's, I, I'm fine with that. You know, the rest were right. like, hey, what number? We need to know who you're trying to say committed a penalty on this play. So I, I'm fine with him saying, hey, something fishy happened on this pass. It was the DB number 16, whoever it was. I'm fine with that. What I'm not fine with is the, well, there's just not enough for any call, and like just letting him, letting the officials get away with this. Well, I don't know what else you can say there. What do you, what do you even want him to say in that situation? Well, when a guy he would have held onto the jersey for another three seconds, it would have been a. I mean, there's when a guy's taken to the ground before the ball's there. I mean, I kind of want to know why all why it's not being called a penalty now. If you ask me, if you don't want to call it a penalty because he started going down to catch a ball that was on the turf and the defender just came down right after him, if you say that, I have no issue with that. I understand that. And frankly, when I I saw the play too, I'm kind of like, okay, maybe that's why they didn't call it. But then to say, oh, there's just not enough there to call a penalty, that's what I have an issue with. I don't have an issue with that personally, but okay. I mean... Uh, last but not least, uh, the good league parity. I mean, even Orlando, you know, I'll put minus Orlando. They played Houston last week and got Molly Womped, right? Yeah. This week they played, uh, they played Vegas. It was a very close game. Very good game for bad reasons. And even, you know, it was disappointing just because this was a close game, not necessarily because this was a these teams were good. It was a close game because it was an even matchup. Unfortunately, it was an even matchup because both of these teams have massive struggles as far as the Renegades and the Brahmas. And they go on all the way through the league this week. I mean, it's very clear that the parity in this league is strong. Uh, I, I love I, You love to see it. It seems like all the teams, the offensive lines have figured it out. The defensive lines have figured it out. We're really starting to see these teams hit their stride, and it's making the games more entertaining, even if there were a couple snoozers, in my opinion, at least this week. Yeah. I definitely agree. Like I said before, though, there are a couple of clear tiers to me, uh, which makes for a more interesting power rankings. If we want to go ahead and jump to Doug's XFL power rankings. Uh there had to be a new number one this week. Houston did lose, and I can't have a team that just lost to my number four team last week stay at number one. That's not how these power rankings are going to work. Now, I will say it's not going to be the case that because A lost to B this week, B will 100% of the time be ahead of A. Uh, that's not what power rankings are necessarily. I think there are a couple other factors to take into effect, to take into account. Uh, we will explain that later. That will become very relevant. At the same time, there is a very clear and obvious number one here this week. Uh, go ahead, show the Dome at America's Center is the number one team in the power rankings. This venue is incredible. St. Louis fans are amazing. And I really enjoyed my time. Uh, this is this is fantastic. I I felt like something was just not missing, not off, but something was different <laughs> when we were in there. And it was about halfway through the first quarter that I noticed, and I think it was about the third quarter by the time I mentioned it to you. There's no yeah. screen in the center of the field. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing to distract you as the ball's going through the air, as the play is going around on the ground. If you want to see the video board, you have to look into the end zone. Like you can't just look straight up and it's not just always there kind of in your eye line. And I absolutely love that. And that's, you know, I, if this place does sell out, which I think it has, I think they have the ability to sell out even the 400 level by the end of the season. I would not mind sitting in the 400 level again like I did when I saw the Rams play because there's not going to be anything that I have to like kind of look around that you kind of get when you're in Dallas, for example. Yeah. It was was fantastic. I had a great time. We all had a great time. All 36,000 of us. (laughs) Everybody went home angry, though. 
because of the number two team and the team on my hat here, the DC Defenders, the only undefeated team in the XFL anymore. Thank you, Houston, for choking. Choking bad. That big old dragon dick. Uh, (laughs) No, DC played this game very close. However, they have beaten St. Louis twice now this season. They are definitively on the field, the better team, at least for the first half of the season. We'll see when they meet in the playoffs, things can definitely change. And it should be a fantastic matchup if they do meet. Uh, because of course, my number three team has to be St. Louis here. You think, or hold on, you uh, think Orlando's number 10? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we will find out shortly. But yeah, St. Louis Battlehawks have played the only games they've lost have been to the DC Defenders. And both of those games have been really fantastic. This game was one interception away from probably going to overtime, which man, imagine fucking awesome. (laughs) That would have been awesome. And it really does feel like St. Louis is getting better week to week as well. Like this is a team that is firing on at least almost all cylinders. And I fully expect come playoff time, this will be a very dangerous squad to watch out for. Absolutely. Number- correct, correct, Jay Rico. Orlando has not won a game, but let's be real. There were two games they very easily could have and probably should have won if they could just, you know, not commit a penalty every other play. <laughs> Number four here, I do have the Houston Roughnecks. Now, why do I not have the Seattle Sea Dragons ahead of Houston? This game was in Seattle. It's quite the travel. Uh, also, I really do think Houston could have won this game. Some some dumb shit by both sides. And I feel like if they meet again, I'm still going to pick Houston. And I really think that's what a power ranking ought to be. You know, neutral site, these two teams go at it. Who am I taking? Seattle is very talented, and they won this game. That is awesome for Seattle. If they meet again next week, I'm taking Houston. So, even still, number five, I do have Seattle. They are a very talented team. Ben DiNucci needs to clean it up a little bit. Can't be throwing three picks every week. But for the most part, he's been pretty fantastic, actually. Uh, This season, I would say... Second best quarterback in the league behind A.J. McCarron, probably, if I had to rank quarterbacks right now. And there is potential to be even better than that. A really solid receiving core. And it does feel like the offensive lines are starting to click, which is something we called out early in the season. Just hadn't been enough time for them to gel. That's definitely starting to happen. Let's go ahead and jump to number six. I think this is a nice, clean tier break here. Uh, I was going over The Rock's resume. You know, he's an eight-time WWE champion. Eight-time world champion. Two-time intercontinental champion. Two-time. Four-time tag team champion. 2016 Sexiest Man Alive. This dude has done that. All. That's really higher than any of the others. <laughs> I mean, he's up there with Ryan Reynolds, is what I'm hearing. Think of all his feuds, you know, Stone Cold versus The Rock, something of legend. Uh, and then up to the 2010s, The Rock versus John Cena, that rivalry. And now John Cena works for him. Because The Rock has his own production company and he just cast John Cena in a movie. That's hilarious to me. The Rock stays winning. He can sing. I mean, (laughs) what can't he do? He was on that Tech 9 song. He's Maui. (laughs) What can I say except you're welcome? Number seven. (laughs) We do have the Arlington Renegades feel like kind of the the best of the rest if you will there really is a four team 
playoff shaping up in my mind. And if I had my way about it, uh, we would have three teams from the north and one team from the south. That's not how this will work. Arlington might sneak in anyway, even though I don't see them on the same level as these other teams. I'm not sure exactly what the issue is. I really thought the Bob Stoops coached team would have a better offense than they have had. Maybe it is the quarterback position. Maybe it is some of that back end of the defense as well. I don't know. The defense has been solid enough to keep them in games, even though their offense kind of stinks, though. There's something off here. I don't trust them. They still beat up on the lesser of the teams in the XFL, uh, starting with San Antonio at eight, which I do still feel like they're better than Vegas at nine. It's kind of close, though. Uh, and number 10 is the Orlando Cant Guardians. They <laughs> they deserve it. Let's be real. There are I eight think, teams in the XFL, and they are number 10. If we had 11 spots, I think they've even fallen below ESPN Plus streaming this week. I considered it. Um, I also didn't want to keep putting teams below ESPN because ESPN sucks and doesn't deserve it. <laughs> I here we are at the halfway point. The best Orlando can do is five and five. Clearly, they can finish. They could finish the season five hundred. I'm not saying they will, and nor do I think they will. But they could. It is a possibility. It's, it's possible. And uh, if that happens, they will move up the rankings pretty quickly. Vegas is also yeah, in a pretty else. bad spot. Exactly. Yeah. Vegas is also in a pretty bad spot. It's their best they can do is six and four. But with the way these divisions, San Antonio is still kind of in contention for the playoffs because of how bad Arlington is as well. I think that might end up being a fight to the finish. And I would say Vegas is in a worse spot. I would say Vegas is in a worse spot than Orlando because they are in the north. Orlando, I do think if they go 500, could sneak into that second playoff spot. And I I don't see. I don't see Arlington losing out though, right? They're they're three and two. Yeah. Like they'll probably I think it'll be Houston and Arlington. I think you're and, probably right. And Jay Rico for the record, I don't think Orlando's gonna win out either. We're just playing what if right now. <laughs> I mean it would be fun. I think the wild. the real battle that I'm looking forward to. St. Louis and Seattle still have to play each other twice. That Which will be massive. Is be exciting. Yeah. So next week, well, that should be our next slide, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we don't get it next week, but in two weeks, we will get St. Louis at Seattle. Yeah. Kind of a tune up game after some heaters this week for both squads. For both teams. You get to travel to Orlando, get to travel to Vegas. Uh, don't expect either of these to be fantastic games, personally. Uh, that is a shot at Orlando and at Vegas. And at Vegas. <laughs> I mean, here's here's the worst part about this, too, right? Vegas has come out and looked good to start most of their games and completely just loses it in the second half. Yeah. Here's the problem. St. Louis is a fourth-quarter team. Hell, yeah. <laughs> they are a last three minutes of the game team. <laughs> exactly. That's on and then, Saturday. And then Sunday, we have Battle of Texas once again, San Antonio Arlington, which kind of feels like it might decide that second playoff spot for the South. I mean, depending on how the rest of the season works out, obviously, but this will have some huge playoff implications if San Antonio wants to stay relevant in that conversation. Absolutely. This is this is a pivotal game for both teams. Uh, it, it's crazy to me that they had them play back-to-back, but looking at how everything has shaken out so far, I like it the more I think about it. When I first – when I heard it at the beginning of the broadcast for this game, I was like, man, 
who the fuck made this schedule? I love this now. Like this, yeah. when you look at the bigger picture, this is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty massive. And uh, the biggest game of the week. Are you ready for some football on Monday night? Actually, the first Monday night football game in D.C., I believe since 1993. <laughs> 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 that at least is it was a, a year in the 90s. Uh, <laughs> and not the 80s. <laughs> oh, man. This is definitely the game of the week. It's on Monday night, which is way better than Thursday night. Thank goodness. We finally have a Monday night XFL game, and it's a hater. This is huge. Houston coming to D.C. I mean, this has all the potential in the world to determine who has home field advantage for the entirety of the playoffs. Uh, If Houston can rebound after their shocking loss to the Seattle Sea Dragons, and if D.C. can keep up that run game against the best run defense in the league, that will be, I mean, this has everything going for it. I'm very excited for this game. As am I. I I'm calling this game of the week. We talked about there's going to be two tune-ups and then a very pivotal game taking place in Arlington. But this one is going to be the one that I am absolutely going to do everything in my power to make sure I'm watching this one start to finish. I only wish I lived as close to D.C. as I do to St. Louis. Because right. I would 100% be there. I would be there in <laughs> a heartbeat. But hey, man, I mean, it's it's been exciting. Uh, I cannot wait to get an opportunity to go to an XFL game again. And I, I, I don't want to take anything away from the XFL. I think my next opportunity is going to be a USFL game. And I hope the atmosphere, likely in Memphis, where I would go to a game, is even close to this. Because this was, like I said, this... This it doesn't help that this is the first like big football game I've been to since the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> but the energy, a minute. the energy at this game, it, it, it matched something else. It matched that Memphis Cotton Bowl. I, it was something else. I mean, the picture you had of the outside of the stadium didn't do it justice. There were lines out the ass. We were relatively close to the front of the lines because we got there right as doors were about to open. Yep. But, oh, my gosh, that place was packed. Like, all around the concourse, you could barely walk around it. It was – How how was, uh, was, how was your piss house. break in the middle of the game? How would that go? I picked the perfect time. The bathroom was almost empty. And I got I know, back I, in time I was... for halftime when everyone was leaving to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I was shoulder to shoulder at one point, and I was like, "Man, this kind of sucks." <laughs> oh yeah, I hate this right now. Oh yeah, and amazingly, the dome has probably the most restrooms I've ever seen in a football arena. So <laughs> they were still crowded. They it was take heed construction places and just architecture places. You need triple the bathrooms that you think you do for large arenas. Please understand this. (laughs) Every toilet you put in there, put five more. Let's, let's get it straight. (laughs) Oh man. All right. So Tug's not here. I know you're not going to do it. So let me read read off. I'll I'll go ahead for it. I'll go ahead for it. Tug's not here. So I'll do it. (laughs) Every time Tug's here, I'll refuse. No, we got a whole bunch of links. You can find them on the bottom of your screen if you've been watching us. First of all, thank you for watching us. You can also listen to the podcast. And if you are, once again, thank you very much for doing so. Links will be in the podcast description if you're so inclined that way. Most places you can find us, BDT Football. Patreon is BDT Football if you feel like supporting us that way. Or you want to get in touch with us. Do so on Twitter, Facebook. Our website is also bdtfootball.com. Instagram is underscore football. Uh, but mailbox at bdtfootball.com. We always, always respond to your emails if you have any questions for us. 
We are on YouTube and Twitch as the full thing spelled out, big dudes in the trenches. You can catch us live on Twitch or later on YouTube for the video versions of our podcasts. And once again, truly, truly appreciate you guys tuning in. Very fun to talk about the XFL, especially after a week of getting to see a game in person. And uh, next time you see us, we'll be talking about Big 12 and Pac-12 draft prospects, which is quite the list. Quite the interesting list of people. And if you've liked what you've seen or you're listening, please make sure to like, follow, subscribe, whatever you want to do on whatever platform you're on. Leave a five-star review for us on uh, on those uh, Apple Podcast reviews if you can. But for this week, we are just about out. But hey, Doug. Bug. I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Did you know that when grazing or resting, cows tend to align their bodies with the magnetic north and south poles? I did know that. You underestimate how rural I used to be. <laughs> I feel like you're lying, but I have no way to prove it. I also almost became a veterinarian, and uh, I was taken out of the desire for that profession by doing a couple of cow surgeries that were very gross. <laughs> so I am relatively well acquainted with cattle and... uh I both appreciate them, think they are delicious, and I'm disgusted by them live in person. All at the same time. <laughs> uh, I feel like Tug does something. Are we doing that? <clears throat> I think he says something like, peace, bitches. Oh, that's right. He says, peace out, Girl Scout. We'll see you all next week.